So we're going to be in John chapter 4. You can flip there. Hold your place there because I want to share a little bit before we get going. So as I uh, prepare a message, as I prepare a sermon, I always usually start with a little bit of an introduction. And also sometimes I like to give a little context just to explain what had been taking place. And today, we're not going to go chronologically like we've been doing. We'll continue that next week. Today I have really a special message which I believe has brought uh, the message I've been teaching. But it's a message that I think we all need to hear, that I needed to hear. So we're going to look at the passage today and we're going to look at a little context. But, you know, as I give these questions I'm going to give you, I want you to realize that as I studied the text that we're going to get into, these were questions that were brought to my heart by the Holy Spirit. And so these questions I'm going to share weren't necessarily directed at anyone in here, but they were actually directed at me as I studied the passages, and I felt that I needed to respond to the Holy Spirit in answering these questions. But I'm going to give you the same questions because I think it's applicable to all of us in here. And, you know, I prayed a lot about this message, and it was interesting as I was doing this study, a tragic accident happened in my hometown. So a little history on me, maybe some of you don't know, I'm from a very small town in Eureka, called Eureka, Nevada. It's a little town of 800 people. Someone was sharing earlier, they said, I've been to Nevada, you've got to worry about getting gas, and if you get a flat tire, you'll be stranded. It is in the middle of nowhere. It is five-hour circle around if you want to go to a big chain store. You can go to Salt Lake City, you can go to Twin Falls, you can go to Reno, there's just a whole, uh, Vegas, five hours, any way around. So it's the middle of nowhere, and this is a little town of 800 people right in the middle of it. That's where I grew up. Everyone knows everybody. And that week I was there, I was teaching at the church there and teaching at another church around there, and there was a car accident, and a man died, a man about my age. Now, we've all heard news like this, haven't we? It's happened to all of us, right? We've heard news of tragic accidents happening. And I ask you, I had a question that came to my mind when I heard this news. What question comes to your mind when you hear of this tragic accident that someone had died? What comes to your mind? First thing that usually comes to my mind, and I think most of us, you wonder, did they know Jesus? Right? I mean, that's what, that's what come to my mind. I wonder, did he know Jesus? So I want you to remember that question for a little bit, because... It's kind of the basis of this message. Now I'm going to give you the application questions to start. Because I want you to think of these questions as we go through the scriptures. Now, interesting enough, I think you guys will get the best grade on these questions in any church, 30 churches I've been to. You ready? When was the last time you shared the testimony of Jesus Christ in your life? Think about that. Answer that question. When was the last time you shared the testimony of what Jesus has done for you? Not your testimony, the testimony of Jesus in your own life. Second question, I got six of them, just to prepare you. <laughs> when was the last time you shared the gospel? You share your testimony, that's good, but when's the last time you shared the gospel? Who we are, who Jesus is, and what he's done for us, and the promise he has for us. When's the last time you shared the gospel? When was the last time that you invited someone to church? This is a good question this time of year. This is really easy, December. We got Christmas Eve service coming up. We got Christmas Day service with a potluck. It's easy. Everyone comes for food. Everyone comes for Christmas Eve worship service. It's easy. When's the last time you invited someone to church? We got flyers. Invite someone to church. So that's number three. When was the last time you invited someone either to your home or just out to coffee 
to establish a relationship with them to find out if they know Jesus. Simple. Another question. Fifth question. When was the last time that you showed the love of Jesus, that's important, through an act of service? they got to go together. You can't do one without the other. But when was the last time you showed the love of Jesus through an act of service? I think you guys are going to get the best grade. Last question. This maybe is the most difficult question. What cost are you willing to pay to do any of them other questions? Because there's a cost to all of it, isn't there? Now, some people, maybe they think like money. You know, I, gotta, I don't think money is usually the real issue in these questions. Maybe uh, fear, I think, is a bigger question. Fear of rejection. What will they say? We need to li- live our belief in action today here in this city. And I'm seeing it. And I'm seeing the Holy Spirit move. So these questions are the ones that came to me as we're going to get into the text today. So answer these questions and think about this. And that comes back to that gentleman I was talking about that had died. You know, I didn't personally know him. I haven't been there in seven years. I mean, I've been visiting a couple of times, so I didn't know him. But this gentleman worked at the local gas station. There's two. He worked at the gas station. So every person, every day goes in there and gets their coffee, gets their donut, and at least once a week, you live in that area, you're probably going twice a week to get fuel. Everyone knew this guy. Everyone knew this guy. And I asked, because I didn't know, and I'm not saying I'm just not guilty either, but I asked, who was he? Did he know Jesus? Nobody knew. And I was talking to the church. I'm like, you see this guy twice a week for the last four years, and you don't know if he knew Christ. I heard, I talked to a close friend of mine that was cleaning up after the accident. There was a Bible in his pickup. I don't know. Nobody in the church knew. But I thought the exact same thing as I think all of us thought when I heard this accident happen. Did he know Jesus? And I believe then the Holy Spirit rebuked me. Rebuked me. Because I was convicted. Because I need to have the heart for these people while they're still here with us sharing the gospel. So often we hear about these things. Oh, did they know Jesus? We should know the answer to all the people that are around us. We should know that answer. Anyone that God has given us the opportunity to have contact with, we should know. Because we should have already shared the gospel with them. And I was convicted. Are we each sharing what we've all received with the people around us? Every one of us has contacts. The Holy Spirit gives us opportunities all the time in different places. I don't know what they'll be for you. I mean, obviously, I don't go to the same gas station here. But I do go to the same stores and I see the same clerks. And I do run into the same people all the time. And we have an opportunity to share Jesus. So that's my introduction, a big long one. Introduction and some application questions. Grab your Bibles, John chapter 4, verse 43 through 45. John chapter 4, verse 43. At the end of two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet, the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he had done. You know, as I read this, right away, I ask, because it says right there, at the end of two days. So I I automatically want to think what's been going on. But I even want to go back a little bit further to give you a little context to what had been taking place. Jesus and the disciples had been at the Passover celebration. And this was the Passover when Nicodemus had asked the question that we are all familiar with, how can one be born again? 
Then after that, Jesus and the disciples, they headed out, and then they headed to Samaria. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story, the woman at the well. And you can look back, um, look at John, just right here, John chapter 4, verse 40. It talks about it. I'll read it. It says, When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed there for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, because we have heard ourselves. Now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. If we were to go back and look even at Matthew and Luke's account, we would see that something happened, though, while Jesus was teaching. Jesus heard news. He is there in Samaria. Many people are hearing the word. Many people are believing in Jesus' word, and they're getting saved, and Jesus gets word of something. He gets word of John the Baptist. That John the Baptist, his friend, his family, has been arrested. So as he's in the middle of this revival in this area, he hears this news. Then we know just after two days, Jesus then leaves to go to his hometown. This is where the verse starts picking up. Do we know what happened when he got to his hometown? Rejected. So you think about this. He's heard the news. He's headed to his hometown, and he gets rejected. It wasn't just rejected, though, was it? Let's look back. Just flip back a few pages to Luke chapter 4, verse 28. Luke 4, verse 28. This is a little more than rejection. I just went to my hometown. I didn't go through this. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. So there's a lot going on in Jesus' ministry, right? And that's what I wanted to kind of point out. And it happens to all of us all the time to look at this context because all of us, we live in this fallen world. And as we're going about our days as we're coming out to fulfill the calling God's given each of us, we each face a lot of things. Jesus was in the middle of an amazing thing, many people getting saved. He gets this horrible news. He goes to his town, he gets rejected. But yet, inside of all this, we're going to read about an absolute miraculous thing that's going to take place next. I think there's just a lesson right there for all of us. To remember, even as we're going through all the chaos that sometimes happens in our lives, There might be a miracle that's going to take place right around the corner that we need to just slow down a bit and see what Jesus is going to do. Which is going to take us to really our text today. John chapter 4. Let's get into this. 46 through 47. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard the news that Jesus came from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. So Jesus has arrived now in Cana, and this man has come before Jesus. This man has come before Jesus seeking a miracle. That's what I read. This man, who was he? This was a government official. I'm sure this man had many different resources available to him as a government official. And I'm sure, obviously to this point, in all the ways that he had available to him, had not found any means or a way to find healing for his child who was dying. You know, I thought about that. There's a lot of parents in here. I think all of us can even relate. What would you do 
if your own child was sick and dying, what would you do? How far would you go to find healing, to find a solution for that child? What lengths would you go to if maybe even if you thought there was a slight possibility there was a way for your child to be healed so they wouldn't die? You know, I thought about this, and I don't even like thinking about that. It's horrible to even ponder that. And some people have actually walked through that and faced that experience. And I also thought about this, though. In this story, as we try to look at it, we got to see it through a little bit different lens. Because as we think about that and we think about death, we see it through a different lens, don't we? We see it as our faith in Jesus. We see it as the hope that we are given and the promises are given through our faith in Jesus. This man, and most of the world, doesn't see death that way, do they? This man didn't see it that way. Because we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we don't grieve the same way as a non-believer. But this man was hopeless. This man was full of fear. I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to walk through this as a parent. To sit there, watching your child dying. I, it would be the worst thing I could ever possibly probably imagine. And yet, this man now, in this utter hopelessness, completely, I'm sure, full of fear, full of doubt, had nowhere else to turn. What happened? Look back and look at your Bibles. Look back and look at 47. He said, when he heard that Jesus was in the area. So he's heard about Jesus. This man, in a complete and utter state of hopelessness and despair, somehow, by somebody, has heard about Jesus. Who, who told him? doesn't even say, does it? It wasn't important. Jesus is what's important in this story. These, somebody, somebody around had been talking about Jesus and talking about the miraculous healings that Jesus had been doing. Somebody had came to him in this man's utter hopelessness, and shared, have you heard about this Jesus? Have you heard about these healings? Have you heard about these things that have been taking place? I imagine this man there hearing this news about Jesus. After seeking all the knowledge and all the ways of the world to find healing for his child, and then hearing about Jesus. You know, it's the story of many of us. It's my personal testimony. I personally exhausted all worldly, physically solutions in my life trying to find joy in my life. And then I heard about Jesus. I had to personally come to a place of complete hopelessness and utter surrender before I'd receive that message about Jesus. But there was someone, there was somebody that came and shared with me the testimony of Jesus and what they had done in their lives. And I heard that testimony, and I received that testimony, and then I went and sought Jesus out. So you imagine this man in this story, sitting by his son's bedside, hearing from somebody this testimony about Jesus. But where was Jesus in this story? Twenty miles away. Twenty miles up the mountain in Cana. Now, the details aren't given, but this guy was a government official. I don't think he was like some of us who like to run. I'm running Sunday. Pray for me. What time does it start? Like 3 in the morning, marathon. Then I'm going to come here and preach, so you get to laugh at me next week, okay? 
because I'll be probably sitting. So we do this because we're kind of crazy. We run. This guy was a government official, and most people don't run. This guy ran 20 miles. I don't know if he ran, he hiked, whatever he would do, 20 miles to get to Jesus. Now think about that, though. Any of us, if your child was dying and you thought there was a solution 20 miles away up there, I bet you this man got there in a big hurry, way outside of his normal physical ability. He was going to do anything he could do to save his dying child. Then the passages say that he found Jesus. He came before Jesus, and he begged Jesus, please heal my son. You know, if you look at that again, I like this verse. Look at 47 again. It says, he went and begged Jesus to come and heal his son who was about to die. You know, I, sometimes you got to look at it. He didn't say, Jesus, can you heal my son? No, he begged Jesus, will you heal my son? And I think we see his faith right away starting there. This man, at a pure desperation, was before Jesus begging and pleading for Jesus to heal his son. So let's see what Jesus is going to say to this man in verse 48. Jesus asked, Well, you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. Think about that. We know it's faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus. But what will it take you to truly trust in Jesus as your Lord? I read this statement and this question from Jesus several times. And as I read it, I just wondered, why, after this man running up here 20 miles, begging and pleading, why would Jesus ask this man this question as this man is begging for his child's life in pure, utter desperation? Why would Jesus ask this? I kind of see two parts. The first one, Jesus says, oh, look, in verse 40, it says, will you believe? Simple question, will you believe? Will you believe in Jesus Christ? Will you believe in the word of Jesus. But then Jesus points out many people, even today, believe that Jesus can do miracles. Many people believe in the Jesus of the Bible. They believe. But believing Jesus can do, in mer- do miracles, believing Jesus can do miracles, and believing in him as your Lord and Savior is very different. It's very different. And I think that's what he's asking all of us in this statement. He asked the man, will you believe, will you come to faith in him as your Lord and Savior? Not just believing he can work miracles. Maybe there's even someone here today, this is my testimony for sure, I believed in Jesus for many years before he was my Lord. I believed he could do miracles. He does miracles today. Absolutely. He performs many miracles all around us, each and every day. And I believe that. And I had a lot of troubles in my life when I was younger. I got myself in a lot of trouble in my life when I was younger. And I would pray to God, Lord, if you would just get me out this and just miraculously free me from this situation, I'll go to church every Sunday. I did believe that Jesus could provide a miracle in my life. But he was not Lord of my life. I was not surrendered to him as my Lord. In fact, I was my own Lord. I was my own God. I think that's what the heart of this kind of gets to. When I believed on God and believed on his word and then came to him as my Lord, my life changed radically. 
Maybe there's someone here even today that says, I believe in Jesus. And maybe you're even asking for a sign. Maybe if you just do this for me, I'll make you Lord of my life. It's not the faith he's looking for, is it? He does do miracles. We're going to see an amazing miracle in this story. And I've seen amazing miracles. And I know most of you have seen amazing miracles. David Guzik, a lot of you are familiar with him. He responds in his commentary like this. He says, Jesus rebuked those who depended on signs and wonders before they would believe. It might seem that Jesus was harsh towards this man who wanted his son healed. But he encountered many in Galilee who were only interested in his miracles. He therefore questioned the man accordingly. Again, I think we're looking at a heart issue. Will you believe in the word of God on what he has said and what he's done? Or are you continually asking Jesus to do something for you when yet he has already done everything he needs to do for every one of us? Let's look at verse 49. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Could you imagine this? This man was there, I'm sure, on his face begging Jesus. He was surrendered. Yeah, he had just meant, basically, but I see he was a rebuke from Jesus. But this man believed in the words of Jesus. That's the question I think we got here. Do we believe in the word of Jesus? Jesus knew this man's faith was genuine. It wasn't through this miracle that he would come to believe or come to faith. But he believed in the word of Jesus, and he believed in his word that he could heal. That's a difference, I think. Jesus is looking for us to believe on his word. Not that we won't see miracles, because we see a lot of miracles. But he wants us to believe on his testimony and his word. This man is crying to Jesus... Crying out because he believes that Jesus can heal his son. So he's crying out. He doesn't understand much of anything, does this man? Think about what was his theology. What did he know about anything? What he knew, Jesus could heal. That's what he knew and he believed. This man has come to faith and believed in his word. Let's look. Look at verse. Turn back. Let's look at 51 to 54. While this man was on his... Sorry, 50. Then Jesus told him, Go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Jesus had proclaimed a truth. And then if you look, he gave the man instructions. Look at verse 50. He gave him instructions. He says, Go back home, your son will live. So Jesus has proclaimed that his son was healed, then gives him instructions. Then the man, in faith, obeys. This man has came to faith in Jesus, believed in the word of Jesus. 
then in faith started walking back 20 miles to his home. Can you imagine that? Hearing that news? Your son is healed. He's heard from Jesus. Now, he's got to walk it out. I think this is like a walk of faith. I think there's many of us here that has been told or spoken something into our life by Jesus through his word. And then we get to walk in it, don't we? Imagine this man walking. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from this man. I think this man believed in the word of God, period. No doubt. But you imagine walking back, hearing from Jesus that your son will be healed, step by step, 20 miles. What do you think would happen as you took that walk? How is it for you? Now you've heard from Jesus, he's called you to something, and he says, now go step out in faith and walk in it. What happens? Spiritual warfare. That's what happens to me. As I believe on the word of God, as I go then and walk it out, being obedient to what Jesus has said, Satan pours out lies in my life so often as I try to walk that in faith. I imagine this man had the same thing. I don't know. The the word doesn't say But I'm sure he was attacked. I know I am as I walk in faith. Satan starts telling me, no, Jesus' word isn't true. You didn't understand that correctly. No, you can't do this. You don't have the means to do this. Or starts twisting it in my mind even at times. You know, he's the deceiver of all. Pouring out lies, attacking. What was Satan? What would he be attacking? The word of God. That's what he'd be attacking. Some of the commentaries, they have mixed feeling about this man and his faith and his belief. I really believe, some people say maybe his, uh, his faith wasn't that strong. I think it was. I really do. And I imagine this guy, as he walked faithfully heading back, what happened? Some men come up and met him. I think there's another story just, just in that alone. As he's coming out, as I'm sure the warfare is taking place, As all of us, as we're walking in faith, as the warfare is taking place, what happens? He gets assurance as he's walking. Someone comes to him and says, your son is healed. At what time, he asked? He asked. He asked the question. The same time that Jesus said. I think it's a beautiful picture for all of us. This man walked out in faith, walked out in obedience, and got assurance that it was Jesus. It was Jesus who had called him to there. I think it's, it's a confirmation. It's a gift. And so often we get that, right? As we'll take the small steps in faith and obedience, as we walk in that, more is often revealed to each one of us. More is given as we are faithful. Confirmation is given as we take the steps in faith. I think it's a beautiful picture. I'm sure as we know what happened after now. You know, his faith began with what? Look it back. This goes back to all the questions I started with. It actually started in what? Verse 47. When he heard. That's how it all started. He heard from somebody. We don't know who. He heard the testimony of who Jesus was and what he was doing. This man was in a hopeless state. He obviously received the word. And he then... What did he do with that? He went and sought Jesus. I think it's just amazing. Think about it. He heard the testimony. He went and then sought Jesus humbly and went before him. And then Jesus spoke to him. 
and he believed on the word of God. Then after he believed on the word, he was obedient to start walking in obedience. Then he got confirmation. That's just a blessing, huge blessing. I mean, that's just a blessing, right? We don't always get that. But often we do. Often we do. But then what happens? The story gets even better, I think. He gets home, and it says, he and his entire household believed in Jesus. So now, the son is healed. The whole household has come to faith in Jesus. Now, this man is obviously testifying about Jesus and sharing the hope that he found through Jesus Christ to someone else. It's an amazing story. When we, each of us, place our faith in the Word of God and we walk it out in faith, we also can have this testimony. Because then we'll see many miraculous things take place around us, won't we? I've seen many miraculous healings take place. I've seen many miracles take place. And then I go testify each time of what Jesus is doing. We are called to share the gospel. He heard this from somebody. Just, and somebody that had heard this truth had gone to this man. Now imagine, I mean it sounds simple, right? But you imagine this man, his son is dying. He's a powerful man in some respect, a government official in that time. Somebody has came and shared about Jesus and the miraculous healings. That somebody that shared that truth, there probably was a cost on the back of that person's mind. What if they were wrong? What if they're sharing with this guy about the miraculous healings Jesus is doing, and he goes and seeks Jesus, and it doesn't happen? I don't know. I mean, the Scripture doesn't say, but whoever shared this with this man, I'm sure was a little nervous. I'd be nervous in that situation. The guy's son was dying. And they're going to share about Jesus. Imagine, there's a cost. So we look back, just a summary of this story. This man had done everything worldly possible to save his son. He was desperate, hopeless, nowhere else to turn. I can even imagine what this man was walking through. And he's heard then from somebody the testimony of Jesus. And then with this testimony, with this belief in Jesus, he has now ran to Jesus. He ran to Jesus and sought him humbly and begged him and pleaded with him. Begging him. Then Jesus said, Will you ever believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Will we stop asking for signs and wonders and believe on his word? We will see signs and wonders, but we need to believe on the word of God. So important. Then the official believed in Jesus' word. You realize he believed just on the word of Jesus. Then, he witnessed a miracle. This is the way this story took place. Maybe some other stories take place a little different. But then as he walked in faith on the word of God, just the word, he then got affirmation from Jesus. And indeed, it was Jesus who had performed this miracle. It wasn't random that his son had just got better. And a result, what happened after the result of all that? The entire household got saved. Amazing. So this brings us all back to all of us, the question for all of us today. Well, we believe in the Word of God and walk in faith, walk according to His promises. Well, we do this without physical confirmation. This man had no confirmation whatsoever and walked in faith. Or are each of us walking out our faith with a worldly condition? That was my testimony. I want to turn to Romans Romans chapter 10. I know you guys are familiar with this, especially being here. Romans 10, verse 15. 
And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth. And the words to all the world. God's word is the foundation of our faith. And many of us will endure many trials as we walk that out, the life that God's called us, as we take that walk of faith in our life, following after him and the calling on our lives. But I believe as we do walk that, that walk, as I see everyone here today that's in the middle of that, so often, just as this story, Jesus will give us that affirmation. You know, just as this story tells us about this child dying, there's people all around us today that are dying, that are going to die. And I shared that story about that man who had died suddenly in a car accident. And I see the news all the time. In Chiang Mai, car accidents, or this taking place, or that taking place. People, it, tragic deaths happen every day around us. And my prayer is that for the people that I have interactions around me, that I know, I would have the answer. Do they know Jesus? I don't know if they'll accept Jesus. This man who brought this message, he said he heard. He was a messenger. This unspoken person. But I wouldn't be able to answer the question that they had heard the message of Jesus. When I don't want to be in that position, hearing about someone that I know having a tragic death and not heard the gospel. And it brings me back again just to thinking about this. When was the last time you shared the testimony of Jesus in your life with someone? When was the last time you shared the good news? Simple. When was the last time you invited someone to church? When was the last time that... You got to know somebody, just started a relationship with them, whatever that looks like. When was the last time you showed the love of Christ just through helping someone out, always in the name of Jesus? What cost are you willing to pay to do these things? Is your belief in Jesus in action today in your life? Because we need to have the same heart that Jesus had for the lost with the people that are alive around us. I don't want to be asking when I hear about someone dying if they knew Jesus. We never know. When a person may die. So let's take these opportunities that we have all around us that God has given us to share the gospel with those around us. This man in this story gives us this amazing picture of faith and what we must do to reach out. You know, as I ask these questions, I give you six. But here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us opportunities to go out there to fulfill every one of these questions. And the Holy Spirit would get, you know, I, I'm not capable to do this on my own. But the Holy Spirit will give us the words that we need. The Holy Spirit will provide the people that we will interact with. You know, I think every one of us has had it happen when you missed an opportunity. When you, like, blatantly know the Holy Spirit made a connection for you to share with someone and you were too busy. I've had it happen. And I, I, it's a weird feeling when you know you missed it. It's a really weird feeling. It's, it's an ugly feeling when you go, Wow. I should have shared with that person. I know the Holy Spirit led me to do it, but I felt I was too busy. Or maybe it was fear. For me, it's usually busy. I'm not fearful of sharing the gospel. I'm usually busy. Like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. So I want to pray today. There's a worship team heads out, that heads up.
that we would just pray for the Holy Spirit to equip us and give us opportunities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this message today, Lord. I just pray that your Spirit would use it in each one of us, Lord. As we read about the testimony of this man, this man who was hopeless, he was desperate, he had nowhere else to turn, he didn't know what to do, and someone came and spoke the testimony of what you had been doing to him. And through that testimony of hearing about the miraculous signs that you had been doing, he turned to you and he sought you out. And he came before you humbly. And then you spoke to him. You spoke to him in your word. And he believed on that word. And he walked in faith, believing in your word, and watched miracles take place all throughout his life and his family. Lord, let that be the testimony of everyone here today. That we would be not just this man, there's some here that don't know you, but we would also be the ones that would bring the message to those that are out there lost and hopeless to this city around us. Because I know there's many right now feeling the same hopelessness that this man was facing. Looking for a solution, nowhere else to turn. And we have the answer. So Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would provide opportunities for each and every one of us, Lord, to share the gospel. If it's through invite, simply just inviting someone to a Christmas service, or if it's sharing the testimony of our own, what you've done in our life, or sharing the, we're always sharing the gospel, or Lord, maybe it's just in the name of Jesus, helping someone out and let them know the love of Christ. Lord, I don't know, but I pray that each one of us, Lord, would come back next week with a testimony of how you were working and how you had provided opportunities to share with those in our own circles that you've given us. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this opportunity this season, this December. Amazing opportunities all around us, Lord, from going to the malls, to going to schools, to just going out in the community, to going to the colleges. Lord, use us, Lord. Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord. Empower us, Lord, to go out there, Lord, and share the hope of Jesus that we've all freely received. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this absolute privilege that you've given each one of us to do this. In the name of Jesus, amen.